The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 167 for August 9th, Joey's birthday, 2009. The unlimited bar keeps getting lowered, some new Windows phones, and our Slacker radio winners. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppas. And first today, thanks to our sponsor, Netflix. Help support the Cell Phone Junkie by signing up for a two-week free trial of Netflix. Plans start at $4.99 per month with over 100,000 titles to choose from. Keep each movie as long as you want with no late fees ever. Free shipping both ways, free delivery in about one business day. Cancel any time, and as a bonus to your DVDs, watch some of the movies over the internet for no additional charge. Joey and I appreciate your support of the show for signing up for a free trial So this week, my movie of the week was What Happens in Vegas, and this is a movie with Ashton Kutcher and Cameron Diaz, and it's just about a year old, I guess, and it was uh, a very, I guess, you know, what do you, what I don't know, you call them a comedy, romantic comedy type of movie, and they get married in Vegas on a drunken escapade, and of course, then are sentenced to live together, and and it's it's a comedy. It's funny, and it's one of those things where you watch it and you are no smarter. In fact, you're probably less smarter after you've watched it, but it's one of those fun things, I guess, just to watch on a Friday night. You know, and it's kind of nice because uh, you can watch the movie and and you can have the DVD in the comfort of your own home and not feel bad for, for having purchased this, you know, pretty much a dud of a movie you'll never watch again because you just send the DVD back. Yeah, and and that's it, and you move on, and and it's great, and uh, I will be sending this one back tomorrow, and we'll have another one by, well, let's see, it'll get picked up tomorrow, and uh, we'll have a new one shipped out on then, it'll get to them on Tuesday, get another one shipped out on Wednesday, I'll have a new movie Thursday, and so I'll have another movie for this weekend. I think I've got Miracle coming next, which I'm kind of looking forward to, the story of the, I think it was 84 Olympic U.S. hockey team, so that should be good. Hmm, interesting. I, this week, uh, Mickey, I watched the, uh, uh, the 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 show called Airline. It's on A and E. It was kind of a documentary style thing, and it shows uh, uh, Southwest Airlines and their operations at a couple of different airports. I watched that on the Roku. That's kind of a kind of a fun show. I I think that Southwest has got to be one of the best companies as far as you know taking care of their employees and just kind of what they've done with the culture of a business. And so it's very fun to either read or watch anything about them. So that's that's really kind of fun. You know, and we're talking about in the intro when we talk about the sponsorship, how you can watch some of the content over the internet. And one thing that Netflix has done is continually put together more and more options of things that you can watch with that service. The one that they came out with this week is a new partnership with additional shows on ABC. So there's additional ABC shows that you can now watch on there, including uh, Lost and uh, let's see, what else have they got in here? Grey's Anatomy, Legend of the Seeker. Uh, Desperate Housewives, and and, it looks like some other smaller ones too here. But anyway, a lot of different things continually are added to the list of services that are, uh, you know, things that you can watch on the the streaming service from Netflix, which I think is one of the best features of it. And it wasn't until recently that I actually started taking advantage of that, where you just, you can go through and you can actually set up queues to be able to watch this stuff. You don't have to be thinking about it as you sit down to watch something. You can have stuff lined up and ready to go and you just pop in there and you know check out and play whatever you want to watch it's it's really quite nice so i I think it's one of those services that makes the value of netflix all that much better that you can get on-demand stuff if you're say waiting for a dvd like i will be for the next couple of days so anyway again we certainly appreciate your support of the show by doing so so please check out netflix when you have a chance. And last week, we talked about a giveaway with Slacker Radio, and they were giving away three 
three-month subscriptions to the Slacker Radio Plus service. And Slacker Radio, as we've talked about, is a service that allows for uh, listening to radio and, or basically music online uh, or via your mobile handset. And by doing so, uh, you can set up little stations that geared are geared towards what you want to listen to. So for example, I enjoy hard rock occasionally. And so I'll listen to, let's say a Lincoln park station and it'll, you know, bring in some corn. It'll bring in some, uh, you know, POD, you know, it'll bring in all these other artists and, and kind of make a nice radio station for me. So anyway, so we've got three winners here of these free three month subscriptions from Slacker radio plus. And our winners are Roger Q Andy underscore Hess and Handy Dandy. Those are the handles on Twitter. So Roger Q, Andy underscore Hess, and Handy Dandy, you'll be getting information from me or uh, a message from me, and I will be looking to get some information from you so I can pass it on to Slacker so that they can get you those three-month subscriptions for you to play around with the Slacker Radio Plus service. And for those that haven't tried it, head on over to Slacker and check it out. You can get a free uh, version of the service, which allows you to, uh, it gives you, there's some commercial interruption in the service, and you can only skip a certain number of tracks per hour and, and some other limitations like that, but it still works very, very well. And if you like it enough, you know, support them because they're supporting the show by with this giveaway. So sign up for their service too. So that's a that's a fun thing. And thank you to them for providing these free subscriptions to our listeners. And a review this week, I put up a review over at thecellphonejunkie.com of a service called Navigon for the iPhone. And Navigon creates GPS solutions for mobile handsets as well as uh, standalone GPS units. And they just released a version of their software called Mobile Navigator for the iPhone. And Mobile Navigator is sounds just like what it is. It's essentially pulling a bringing GPS to your iPhone. And this is not like the maps that's on the phone, and it's not like putting on some sort of other you know application that pulls down data from the internet. This is a full-featured maps on your iPhone GPS standalone system, really, if you think about it. And uh, they were kind enough to provide me with a review version of the software so I could check it out. And for the last two weeks, I've been playing around with it, and it's a great service if you're looking for a GPS replacement uh, on your phone. The great thing about this is you always have your phone with you. You have your iPhone in your pocket all the time. And uh, this is the first of its kind to come to the iPhone. TomTom, we're going to talk about a little bit later, has got something coming. But Navigon beat him to the punch and brought this one out. If you purchase the Navigon software within the next week, I believe it's August 15th, uh, you can get it for $70. That's $30 off the uh, regular price of the software, which will go up to $100, uh, which is still a deal. Uh, it's, a, it's a great service. It's got completely up-to-date information, as you'd uh, expect and hope from a brand new piece of software. So you can use it to obviously enter addresses like you would with any other GPS service, uh, search for points of interest, uh, even just pull up a map and actually see what you've got that's going on. Uh, it ties into your contacts very nicely where it allows you to search through your contacts, find uh, the person that you have a, an address tied to, click on them, and it's automatically routing you to their place. It uh, just ties in very nicely with what you'd expect of an experience on the iPhone. Uh, points of interest works very well. Uh, I used it for multiple restaurants, gas stations, all that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a GPS software uh, or GPS software on the iPhone, which is something that we haven't seen before. doesn't have to use the, uh, 
uh, the, the data connection on the device, which is great. You can use it basically when you're out in the middle of nowhere, uh, if you're trying to route yourself somewhere, or if you happen to have a device that doesn't have a SIM card or doesn't have a data plan, you can use that as well. Uh, it is a large application because all those maps are going onto your phone. So it's 1.3 gigabytes of data that you're downloading from Apple and installing on your phone. It does take a while. Hopefully you've got a fast cable or DSL connection that'll uh, keep that uh, at bay, but it's still approximately an hour or so. That's what it took me on my cable connection to get all that data down. Uh, and then uh, install takes even, you know, even more time because it's having to install all of that. But works very well. I have to give it a, a, a good recommendation as far as p- software that's out there to do this, as in it's really the only one that's out there at this point. But just a, a great thing if you're looking to have navigating software on your iPhone, uh, Navi- uh, Navigon's mobile navigator software. Joey and I had a cell phone junkie unlock show this week. It was show number 27, and we talked with Craig Johnston from Crackberry.com, who is the author of multiple articles and books, as well as a co-host of the Crackberry.com podcast. And he came and chatted with us about the latest devices in the world of BlackBerry and also his new book called My BlackBerry Curve that will be coming out in the fourth quarter of this year. And uh, if you're a Crackberry fan, you're going to like this show. We had a lot of fun talking with Craig. He's a, he's a great guy. He's been doing this for a long time, probably uh, as knowledgeable as they come when it comes to Blackberries. And Joey, I thought it was great to have him on once again for the show. It was a very great uh, conversation. Uh, and we got to learn a little bit about what's uh, up and coming. And I, I just, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it being such a popular platform right now, um, it's it's great to have that discussion content, uh, you know, about BlackBerry because it, it, you know, it seems like everybody I see out on the street has a BlackBerry. Yeah, they're just constantly uh, coming out with new devices that appeal to various markets and uh you know, the consumer segment has been something they've been working to get into for quite a while, and it's it's going pretty well for them. The 8900 series of Curves has done very well, and they've just recently come out with the 8520 for T-Mobile. And uh, Craig kind of hints in the show that he's had his 8520 for a little while and had, has had a lot of fun with it, and it's worked really well. It's got that optical navigation in the middle of it instead of the trackball. So it's, it's kind of a, a fun thing to think about, you know, the evolution of the BlackBerry. And so a very timely show with that release of the new phone. And uh, we appreciate his time for being on the show with us. And uh, so if you want to listen to that one, head over to tcpjunlocked.com, which is also accessible at thecellphonejunkie.com. So let's hop into the news here this week. First off, Apple's share of the cell phone industry profits is estimated at one-third for the first half of 2009. Now, this isn't talking about the number of handsets that are sold, but the actual profits that they are receiving as far as a a relation to the entire industry. Uh, The analysis of all the profits has uh, has gone and said that the iPhone accounted for 8% of the handset industry revenues, but 32% of the operating profits for the first half of the year. And uh, this is very good news if you're an Apple shareholder or just someone who's interested in Apple products, is that they're doing very, very well. So one third of all profits going to Apple for the first half of this year. Well, a U.S. Senate committee had taken the first step in approving legislation that would allow states to ask the federal government for permission to jam cellular signals at or near prisons. The issue is brought before the Senate by corrections directors at some 26 states. 
The Senate Com- uh, Commerce, Science, and Transportation Committees approved the initial bill, uh, which will now go to the entire Senate for consideration. If passed, the bill would require the FCC to set up rules and regulations governing how and where the signals could be blocked and to conduct tests to determine the minimum strength necessary to block those signals, also approving all systems before it gives the states permission to do so. Only correctional facilities will be allowed to block signals, and all parties involved would have to ensure that the areas surrounding the prisons would experience minimal disruption of services. Obviously, that could be a big issue as they're putting out some sort of uh, RF that's going to be blocking uh, this particular uh, set of uh, range of frequencies. So, uh, But interesting news that that is actually moving forward. Black Hawk County, Iowa, the booming metropolis of Waterloo, resides in that particular county. And the 911 Emergency Call Center is going to be the first in the U.S. to accept text messages in place of phone calls during an emergency. Residents who are enrolled with iWireless, a T-Mobile affiliate, can make use of the service, and other area residents who aren't enrolled will receive a text message from 911 instructing them to call 911 if they send in a reply. Blackhawk County officials are working with other carriers in the region so that all residents who are served uh, by the program can take advantage of it. Because text messages don't carry location information, users are prompted to enter their zip codes before being connected to the 911 text services. If they're in an area not served, they'll be instructed to give a call to 911. In the future, Blackhawk County also expects to be able to receive picture and video messages as part of the emergency services. And I wanted to just briefly talk about what this could mean, because if you're in a in a residential setting and you pick up a phone and you call 911, there's a lot of information that's transmitted to the police department uh, when you make that call. Obviously, they've got your phone number, which is tied to a database, which has got your address, which can then allow them to, without you giving them any information, send emergency response. The idea of sending a text message is a very ambiguous one when you think about the area that you could be in. I mean, really, you're talking about not only uh, triangulating from one cell tower to an area that you could possibly be located in, but uh, you know, moreover, you have to be on a specific carrier at this point. So uh, I bet they're going to have some bugs to work out with this, but hopefully it doesn't affect the service because it's always great to have another way to get in touch with your emergency services. Yeah, and you know, and I always think of the uh, the application where you can't talk because either there's a an injury or there's uh somebody there that you could be alerted to your presence where you could quickly type this message in and uh do it covertly and uh you know in a in an emergency situation like that i mean that's absolutely priceless to have that option i think it's a great idea and uh i commend blackhawk county for taking on uh and being the first to institute a program like this AT&T introducing a new calling plan this week. They're calling Viva Mexico. Starting at $55 per month or $85 for two lines, Viva Mexico gives customers 1,000 night and weekend minutes for calls placed to and from Mexico. Additionally, the plan will not bill customers for international long-distance calls and lets customers use their rollover minutes. Messaging and data is charged separately at international data rates with roaming fees starting at $5 per megabyte. Sprint announces the Samsung Reclaim and other green initiatives this week. Sprint has uh, announced the Reclaim phone uh, for Sprint, which is a phone made of 80% recycled materials. The phone's charger comes or consumes 12 times less power than the Energy Star standard requires. The outer casing is made from 40% bioplastics, and packaging materials are made from 70% recycled materials. The Reclaim is a slider with a full QWERTY keyboard, 2-megapixel camera, uh, video capture, GPS, Bluetooth, A2DP, and support for 32GB microSD cards. It runs the one-click user interface and has easy access to a number of eco-friendly guides and websites. 
The Reclaim will cost $50 and be available in all Sprint retail channels starting on August 16th. Along with the Reclaim, Sprint has announced plans to reduce paper consumption by 30%, helping raise consumer awareness of eco-friendly usage and reduce energy consumption of its stores and operations. Now, we talk about this one in the news versus in the devices because of the initiatives that Sprint is taking. And this was done at a breakfast that was held in New York this week, and CEO Dan Hesse actually went through and talked about all these changes that they're going to be making. T-Mobile's got something that they're going to be doing here as well, and uh, I find this one very interesting because it ties nicely with this, in that they're going to start penalizing some uh, of their customers $1.50 per month if they do not change over to paperless billing. This is starting on September 12th. So if you're a T-Mobile user, uh, you'll be getting word in your next bill that you'll be charged $1.50 for every month that you don't receive a paperless bill. Now, this is something I've been doing for months, uh, actually years now that I think about it. I just don't like to have all that paper. I've done it with not only my, my cell phone bill, but my bank accounts and all my investments and everything. I get all that stuff sent to me electronically. I find it uh, much, uh, you know, there, there's a less of a security issue there with all the paper that you've got going through the mail. And it just, it's it's a smart thing to do. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't waste, the, you know, the trees and it doesn't waste the paper that you would just basically be filing or eventually just throwing away and really doing nothing with after you look at it. It's just as easy to sign up for paperless billing with your provider and uh, be able to go online, look at a PDF file. And I think it's a very, very smart way to go. It absolutely is, Mickey. I, uh, you know, I need to, I've done that with uh, Sprint myself, but I, I do need to do that with a couple of my other uh, bills that I have that option with. I just haven't gotten around to do it. But you know, Mickey, I absolutely hate papers. I, I've got stacks and stacks of paperwork and I just would love to not have it there. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's one of those things where if you're someone who it all thinks about this kind of stuff, it's it's just the thing to do. Uh, you know, to be able to get all this information sent to you electronically is, I, I, in my opinion, so much easier. If you're concerned about you know record keeping or whatnot, you can easily download the files and keep an archive of them yourselves. But fortunately, most of these companies are providing this for you, going back you know really as far as you probably will ever need to go, you know, two to three years, and uh, you're not going to have any issues with that. So. Anyway, $1.50 per line, excuse me, per account, not per line, is what T-Mobile is going to be charging you if you decide not to go with paper starting on September 12th. Well, they also announced a subscription addition uh, in their second quarter earnings of $325,000. The carrier said that uh, the lower ARPU customers are uh, to blame for lower revenues that they received this month. T-Mobile, which is a uh, division of Germany's Deutsche Telekom, posted incomes of $425 million, which is up from $322 million in the first quarter, but down from $452 million from a year ago. Deutsche Telekom's net income rose $750 million as part of the announcement, and, uh, which is up from or excuse me, $566 million from the second quarter of 2008. Uh, like I said, the net additions were $325 5,000 for the quarter, which is down from 415,000 from the first quarter and 668,000 in the second quarter of last year. Companies said the decrease is primarily due to higher contract churn and strikingly postpaid net additions made up only 17% of the customer growth in the second quarter compared to 39% in the first quarter and 80% 
in the second quarter of last year. Prepaid net customer additions, including wholesale customers, were 268,000 in the quarter, which is up from 255 in the first and 143 a year ago quarter. That's a very interesting number. The first one that I've seen where we're now talking about the number of prepaid customers has outpaced the amount of growth of postpaid customers for a provider. And I think this is strictly a function of the economy and people looking to cut back and do different things. And this is a very, very smart thing to do if you're looking to save a few dollars, especially if you're not making a lot of phone calls and you can you can bring yourself to making them sparingly on your phone or uh, sending more text messages because those are usually billed at a lower rate. So I think it's a very smart way uh, to go about doing things if you want to make a change, going prepaid and T-Mobile showing that with their additions this quarter. Yep, and their their prepaid um, uh, subscriptions were fairly straightforward uh, as my wife used them for uh, a, a fairly long time at least i think it was about a year or so and uh, had very good luck with them and their support was uh, very good even with the prepaid account yeah and they're uh, you know overall they've got probably one of the better ways of doing it at least it's more straightforward than the other ones i've seen i know at&t has got a couple of different plans that can sometimes be confusing but uh, t-mobile does a, a real nice job with that uh, to round this out, data services increased for the company 6% from the first quarter and 23% over a year-ago basis. Cricket Wireless announced two new large swaths of the U.S. that can now access its services. First, the Mid-Atlantic region spanning from New York City to Richmond, Virginia. The southwest area now blankets parts of Arizona, Southern California, Nevada, Utah, and Colorado, Cricket has announced some changes in the calling plans as well. The new $40 monthly plan includes unlimited voice, long distance, domestic and international text and picture messaging, as well as nationwide coverage. New features include unlimited web and unlimited 411. Cricket's $45 monthly plan adds unlimited email, data, and 30 roaming minutes per month. Cricket's $55 monthly plan adds additional 200 roaming minutes, and new plans will be available starting uh, this past week. Cricket's prepaid competitor, MetroPCS, recently also altered its calling plans, and Cricket is doing this to make up and uh, join with them on the price points that they're offering. U.S. Cellular posted a wider profit, but the subscriber base declined substantially, and it lost a significant amount of roaming revenue compared with a year ago. The carrier operates in 26 states and has a reported profit of $83.4 million, up 15% from the $72.6 million in the year-ago quarter. U.S. Cellular blamed both the weak economy and intensely competitive market for the decline in subscribers. Uh, The company lost 88,000 net subscribers in the quarter compared with 47,000 net additions in the first quarter and 16,000 net additions in the quarter a year ago. U.S. Cellular ended the quarter with 6.155 million subscribers. The carrier retracted its forecast for retail subscriber additions for the rest of the year due to economic uncertainty. Metro PCS's profits dropped 48% as churn rose. They had reported that a 48% drop in net income for the quarter and the flat rate carrier's net subscriber additions plunged while churn rose substantially. Metro's earnings and revenue both missed Wall Street's expectations, and as a result, the carrier's stock went down a whopping 30% in trading to around $9 per share. Metro PCS has net income of $26.2 million, down from $50.5 million in the year-ago quarter. Metro PCS is just under 206,000 net subscriber additions in the quarter, which is up from around 184,000 net additions 
in the second quarter last year, the company ended the quarter with 6.25 million subscribers. Well, let's go through all of these carriers because I found a great chart here on FierceWireless.com. And uh, we're not going to go through every single uh, piece of information for every single one of these. But starting at number 10, we're going to go through the, uh, the carrier and the number of subscribers that they currently have. So starting at number 10, we've got a company called Entelos Wireless. And they've got 442,000 subscribers. I've never heard of them, Joey. Uh, obviously a very small company. Number 9, Cincinnati Bell, 543,000 subscribers. Uh, number 8 is IPCS, 710,000. Number 7, Leap Wireless, 4.5 million. Number 6, US Cellular at 6.1 million. Uh, number 5, Metro PCS, 6.2 million. Uh, number 4, T-Mobile USA, 33.5 million subscribers. So that's where the biggest uh, jump comes in there, and that's why we always talk about the top four. We go from Metro PCS at 6.2 million subscribers to T-Mobile at 33.5 million. Uh, number three, Sprint Nextel, 47.9 million subscribers. That is excluding the estimated number of affiliate subscribers, uh, counting IPCS in there. Uh, number two, AT&T with 79.6 million subscribers. And number one, Big Red, Verizon Wireless, 87.7 million. Of course, the addition of Altel really brings them up to the, the top there. So looking at uh, the discrepancy there, for all the way from uh, you know number 10, which was, what did I say, 400,000 subscribers to number one at 87.7 million. Uh, those are the top 10 uh, uh, providers of wireless service here in the U.S. And tell us the first one was actually a rural Virginia carrier, and they, uh, it looks like they're an NVNO for uh, Sprint Nextel. Okay, so that's kind of, you know, I guess a little, takes away a little bit of it, but, you know, nonetheless, that's, you know, there's still more than, let's say, you know, Virgin or the, I guess the T-Mobile pre, well, actually T-Mobile prepaid would go into T-Mobile, but, uh, you know, some of those other MVNOs. So uh, nonetheless, you know, there you go. Top 10 providers here for the U.S. Uh, next here, Page Plus. Another big carrier here. Page Plus Sailor, a national prepaid service provider, announced this week an unlimited offering at $40 per month. The plan includes unlimited voice, text, and 20 megabytes of data. Plan is called Unlimited Talk and Text and is now available. Now, a story that I found today that I found kind of interesting that uh, if you're a, uh, an iPhone user and you think you pay too much, maybe it's time to uh, break free of your contract with AT&T and find yourself a new provider. An article from the unofficial Apple weblog talks about what they're saying is the best iPhone cellular plan at a uh, from a company called iWireless, and uh, this is a plan that they call the uh, Megatalk uh, plus plan, I guess is what it's called. And uh, they're offering you uh, quite a deal here for $50 a month with no contract and no credit check. You get uh, unlimited calling, unlimited long distance, unlimited roaming, unlimited text messaging, and yes, even unlimited data. $50 a month for all of this unlimited. Now, when you look at all of these different things, you've got to wonder, you know, how can they possibly be doing this? And you, uh, you, 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 you know, we kind of have been seeing this shift uh, over the last year as all these providers have come out with unlimited plans and really tried to make themselves stand out from one another. And it's really been the prepaid guys that have come across and said, we're going to really undercut the postpaid ones. And we're going to say for a very, very cheap amount, usually $50, you're going to be able to do quite a few things here. Now, iWireless is a regional GSM carrier. Uh, they offer edge-only services uh, for the iPhone. They're they're basically an affiliate 
uh, that use or an MVNO that uses the T-Mobile network. So you'd only be able to take advantage of the 3G services if they could get it to work on the 1700 megahertz spectrum. So only in certain places that T-Mobile offers that. But if you wanted to use it within a phone that has the 850 and 1900 megahertz bands on it, you could easily do so. Get your edge speeds as long as you can get to Iowa and get yourself a Megatalk plan for this $50 a month. It's it's a pretty good deal if you if you're looking to save a little bit of money and you want to get that unlimited data in there as well. That's usually the kicker when it comes to uh these prepaid plans is that data usually isn't included in it. So a, a very interesting plan uh doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the right thing for everybody. Obviously, it's tied to Iowa, so you may have some issues there trying to get it if you're outside of the state. Uh but nonetheless, it seems like uh, it could be a, a fun one if you're looking to save a few dollars. You can get all that stuff for $50. Some device news this week. First off, T-Mobile UK using the iPhone 3G to court some of its high-spending customers, apparently. Word is that T-Mobile has begun selling unlocked iPhone 3G handsets to customers spending £75 or more in the UK on their network. T-Mobile is the official service of the iPhone in Germany, and that is apparently where T-Mobile is getting the devices that they're then shipping to the UK and reselling to their customers on the network there that is iPhoneless. So check that one out if you're an iPhone customer or a potential iPhone customer on the T-Mobile UK network uh, that wants to get their hands on one of those. Apple possibly launching an 8-gigabyte iPhone 3GS. Boy Genius, among others, has cited that Rogers Wireless, which is Apple's uh, Canadian iPhone partner, is stating that they are in the process of shipping 8-gigabyte versions of the iPhone 3GS over to its retail stores. This is, at at this point, unconfirmed, uh, but uh, we could be looking at the potential end of the iPhone 3G as we transition to a smaller iPhone 3GS. My guess is that it would be at the same price point if this is in fact true at $100. And uh, I have, have pretty much told everybody this as you look to get yourself, if you're looking to switch over to an iPhone, uh, you've got really, you know, two options at this point, the 16 gig and the 32 gig. I don't even really consider the eight gigabyte version to really be an option for the additional $100. Uh, you're going to be spending, you know, upwards of 70 to 100 or more dollars per month on this phone. Why are you going to, you know, limit yourself not only to eight gigabytes, but also pretty much slower speeds all around in the device? Yeah, as we talked about before, it's an absolute uh, no brainer decision to uh, go for the uh, the the 3GS version. And if they uh, introduce an 8-gig version at the at that $100 price point, ooh, that is a spectacular deal, really. I mean, it, it, granted, there's that much difference between the 16-gig, but, I mean, to have the, you know, out-the-door price of uh, $99 for the hardware itself is uh, it's uh, pretty tough to beat. Yeah, but the point, I think, is that they're just working on getting the devices that they have, that stock, sold out so that they can move on and, and do some other things. And, you know, like I said, this is still a rumor at this point, but I would say if you're, you know, if you're really that conscious about spending that much cash up front, just wait a little bit. Let's see if this one actually happens and then we can, you know, you you can make your decision then. Well, some news about Windows this week, and uh, this this is uh, very Touch Pro 2 uh, focused, and that Sprint and HTC's Touch are looking to be uh, converging on a date here very, very soon, September 3rd is the newest release date. Uh, Phone Arena had this information showing the Touch Pro 2 coming to the Sprint network uh, in early September. So we could be finding that one very, very soon. The Verizon Touch Pro 2 has been confirmed on video. This came from uh, a YouTube feed and uh, shows a very interesting version of the Touch Pro 2 uh, on the Verizon network. It has a version or, excuse me, an image 
of uh, a world on the back of it, obviously uh, denoting that it's going to be a world phone. Uh, but what's different about this one is that this version of the Touch Pro 2 has a 3.5mm headphone jack on it, which is something HTC has mysteriously left out of all of its devices it's, it devices it's recently offered. So unless you were uh, interested in using some sort of adapter dongle, you weren't able to get yourself uh, your uh, your your use of your headphones without uh, doing so. So we could be seeing that going away here with the, the Verizon version of this. And then T-Mobile announces the Touch Pro 2 coming this week, August 12th. And uh, you could be the proud owner of this if you want to go pick one up. Uh, specs on this are similar to what we've seen in the past. Wi-Fi BNG, 3.2 megapixel camera, Windows 6.1 upgradable to 6.5, GPS, AWS 3G, and everything else that you'd be looking for on that. So very, very soon, if you're on T-Mobile, you can get it. And finally, AT&T's pre-launch lineup showed up here with a version of an HTC device called the Tilt 2. Could uh, certainly be the Touch Pro 2, depending on uh, what that means. Uh, Don't have a release date on it, but it does show up on a list here. So we could have that sooner rather than later. A couple other interesting devices that showed up on this list were the BlackBerry 9700, the Garmin Nuvi Phone G60, what we thought was vaporware, could be coming to AT&T, and the HTC Pure, which we believe is the HTC Snap, the front-facing QWERTY from HTC. Verizon's Diamond 2 Mega and Tachi, I think are how those are pronounced, look to be coming very soon here to uh, to the network. Of course, we were talking uh, just briefly about the, the Touch Pro 2 here, but the Diamond 2, also known as the Whitestone, could be a September or, Oct- or October release date. Uh, Windows Mobile 6.1, 528 megahertz processor, 3.6-inch WVGA touchscreen with that 5-megapixel autofocus camera, also GPS and uh, GSM and CDMA radios built into it for world phone compatibility. The Mega is uh, Windows Mobile 6.5, looks to be possibly early next year or late this year uh, with a Qualcomm 528 MHz processor, 2.8-inch QVGA screen, GSM and Edge, as well as HSPA or HSDPA, uh, so it's a world phone as well, with a 3-megapixel fixed-focus camera with GPS. And finally, a phone that is uh, possibly being called the Tachi uh, could also be coming to Verizon, but not a lot of information yet on that one other than we could be seeing a center D-pad on it, uh, among other things. BlackBerry 8520 Curve is now available on T-Mobile. $129 is the cost that you can get it if you buy it directly from T-Mobile. You can go and get it for $50 over at Walmart. And I believe Amazon's even got it for maybe a dollar. I'm trying to remember what it was. I I think I saw something else this week. So uh, very, very cheap uh, entry-level BlackBerry, but uh, new design with the optical uh, joystick on it. So check that one out if you're interested in it. It is now available. The first look at the Nokia E72. I love these Nokia's front-facing QWERTY devices. That's why I wanted to talk about this one. A little more than a review from a Russian-based website talking about all the features and how it compares to the current version, the E71. Uh, A lot of uh, features of this one have been upgraded, of course, going from a 2.5-millimeter headset jack to a 3.5, upgrading the camera from a 3.1 megapixel all the way up to a 5-megapixel camera, uh, adding the additional uh, capability uh, for for uh, taking advantage of higher capacity uh, micro US uh, or micro SD card, excuse me about that, and uh, also being able to charge it through the micro USB port. So a few different additions that we could be seeing to this one. A little change in the keyboard. They 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 made the uh, space bar a little bit smaller and uh, changed around. Uh, looks like the uh, how the the numeric 
uh, how the numbers are done on it a little bit. So, but other than that, uh, very similar as far as the styling of it. And if you're an E71 fan, you're probably going to really like the E72 battery life. One of the biggest uh, features of this device, 12.5 hours of talk time on GSM, 20 days standby, and almost 40 hours of music playback in a 1500 milliamp hour battery. Symbian really knows how to take advantage of those batteries. So uh, some good news uh, and a nice review if you're interested in an E72. The Nokia N86 8 megapixel coming to the U.S. August 22nd. Manufacturer suggested retail price $500, a little expensive there, but uh, you can get yourself an 8 megapixel Nokia uh, device for, uh, for uh, eight, like I said, $500 very soon, uh, just coming up here on the 22nd. Also, we've got a uh, Nokia Rover that got released in some photos at the Boy Genius today. This looks to be uh, either some sort of mobile internet device or uh, some sort of interesting new phone that they're coming out with, also known as the N900 or the RX51. It's got a 3.5-inch resistive touchscreen, 800 by 480 pixel resolution, 32 gigs of internal memory, 5 megapixel Carl Zeiss camera with dual LED flash, micro SDHC support, FM transmitter, quadband GSM, WCDMA 900, 1700, and 2100. So that could be a T-Mobile style device with Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and A2DP, GPS, and a processor that goes up to 1 gigahertz a clock, though, at approximately 600 megahertz. So some interesting pictures of it if you want to see what the potential N900 could, be, could look like. HTC's MyTouch 3G hit T-Mobile stores this week, and you can pick it up either online or in-store, $200 with a new agreement. The HTC Fiesta, also known, uh, or excuse me, coming to AT&T here using Android. Uh, this is a very much a rumor at this point, but showing up on Engadget that the Fiesta could be the next Android device that could come out and the first over to AT&T. So we'll keep an eye on that one, talking about the HTC Fiesta. The company INQ announcing two new handsets this week targeted at heavy users of social networking, such as Twitter. In 2008, INQ introduced the Facebook phone, but these two new devices continue that trend and bring with them native Twitter applications that have a built-in user interface. Users log in once, and the phone will always be connected to Twitter and update automatically. Other social networking services built into the phones include Facebook, Skype, and instant messaging. INQ has worked closely with Google to develop a native Gmail application that resides on the phone, offering end-users full push email. Both handsets offer GPS, 3G, built-in media syncing, and modem tethering with both Windows and Apple computers. Support for microSD cards up to 8 gigs and over-the-air updates for all onboard messaging services. INQ expects both phones to launch overseas during the fourth quarter. They were not prepared to make any announcements about U.S. distribution. The phone's names are the INQ Chat, which is a QWERTY-equipped phone with a 3.2-megapixel camera, autofocus, and a 2.4-inch QVGA display, and the INQ Mini, which is a monoblock phone with a 2-megapixel camera and 2.2-inch display. Toshiba announcing a 64-gigabyte SDXC memory card. This SD card is one of the first to reach such a capacity. It has a maximum write speed of 35 megabits per second with a read speed of 60 megabits per second. SD cards are typically used, of course, for digital cameras and also uh, cell phones. The card will be sampling in November, should be available in uh, retail stores spring of next year. Toshiba announced uh, 16 and 32 gig versions of SDHC cards. These memory cards uh, pave the way for higher capacity micro SD cards, which are what, of course, all of our mobile phones use today. Yep, and don't look forward to uh, any of your current devices supporting this. You'll have to have a device that supports the new 
uh, you know, extended capacity format. Um, but it's neat to see that we're going to make the next leap into the next generation uh, size, uh, you know, SD cards, which obviously, uh, of course, will be a micro XH, uh, micro XC cards in the future. Yeah. So uh, yet another standard. I, I saw something else this week, and it wasn't related to mobile phones, but Sony is working on uh, this standard that is going to have memory flash memory cards with capacities up to two terabytes out here within the next two years. And that to me just absolutely blew me away when I think about our hard drives now that are at one terabyte and you know the, the ultra hard drives at two terabytes. To see that on a memory card here within the next few years is going to be phenomenal. I haven't looked at it in a really long time, but I think the, the SD uh, XC uh, addresses up to two terabytes of memory as well. And that could be what Sony's working on. Okay. Um, their their own proprietary memory stick format. Uh, you know, they'll have to revise their format as well because I, I believe they're also at 32 gigabytes for the addressing limit. And, th- and that's what the that's why this is a, a new standard, Mickey, is because uh, current SDHC uh, addressing is limited to 32 gigabytes. That's all you can fit. That's all you can address from the number of pins that are available on the on the, the cards right now. And we went through this change uh, at the two gig limit uh, for standard SD and micro SD cards. We went to the SDHC cards. Gotcha. Okay. Well, then I, it makes sense. I mean, obviously they're, you know, they have to do what they have to do. And, uh, you know, if, if there is a limit, then they have to, you know, they're going to make a new standard and that's fine. But I think, you know, I will always say this, but really two terabytes on a phone you know, well, you know what? <laughs> Who would have thought we would have needed uh, more than sixteen or you know thirty-two gigabytes on a phone? You never would have thought that. Uh, you know, when these standards were written, it seems like that's a uh, you know thirty-two gigabytes is an enormous amount of you know portable data storage. That seems you know huge, but we're, we're just quickly passing it, and it, it's it's amazing how uh, data hungry devices are. I, I <laughs> thirty-two gigs. I, I still maybe it's just you know me and and what I do, but I, I still find a way to throw so much media on a device. I mean, I've got, you know, multiple hundreds of gigs of music and video and photos and I mean, 32 gigs, you know, you fill that up and, you know, no, no time at all. And you barely have a sampling of what you have on your device. So anyway, uh, it's uh yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But anyway, SDXC memory cards coming out from Toshiba here, early 2010 Sprint launching two new devices this week, a pair of wireless routers, the Sprint Personal Hotspot PHS300S and the Cradlepoint MBR1000 broadband router can both connect to WiMAX and EVDO Rev-A3G networks. USB dongles must be purchased and provisioned with 3G and 4G wireless services separately and then plugged into the routers. The routers then rebroadcast over Wi-Fi, allowing properly equipped devices such as mobile phones and laptops to connect to the router uh, and to the internet via Wi-Fi. The PHS300S will cost $160 and is meant for consumers, supports up to four Wi-Fi connections at a time, and is available in retail stores online and via telesales for Sprint's WiMAX markets. The MBR1000 costs $250, meant for businesses, supporting up to 32 simultaneous connections and available only via business sales channels. This is the first of these that we've seen. It's kind of taking the concept of the MiFi and adding in the ability to plug in any dongle that you have into it and take advantage of uh, the service that you're getting with that and spreading it across multiple different users. So it's kind of a neat thing and uh, good news there for Sprint getting those out for uh, their WiMAX services early. 
Sprint signing up for Samsung's AMO LED phones. Sprint's reps confirmed this week they're planning to add some of the Samsung handsets to their lineup that use the Active Matrix Organic Light Emitting Diodes or AMO LED screens technology. AMO LED displays are brighter and more power efficient than LCDs and they will appear in high end handsets first. Well, the good news about the new orange LG GD910 watch phone is that it's not going to be 1,000 pounds. The bad news, it's going to be 900 pounds, subsidized. LG's highly anticipated GD910 watch phone, it will be the first uh, watch phone and will be exclusive uh, to the Orange service in Europe. It's a 3G touchscreen, I guess we'll call it wrist set, available in France and the aforementioned price of 900 pounds. Uh, not pounds, euros. Uh, it's an or, or, origami star uh, plus packaging. Don't really know what that means. Uh, but obviously, it's a, it's a very highly anticipated device and uh, very, we'll call it Dick Tracy-ish because that's kind of what we've been you know talking about this one with. So I don't know that we're going to see it anytime soon here in the U.S., but those of you that are over in France can take advantage of this one. Uh, I'd be really interested to see some initial reviews on how this baby works. Some other software news here this week. First one is a rumor that Netflix will start streaming on the iPhone. This report came from multi-channel news that the iPhone could be the next in line to get the streaming video services via Netflix Watch Instantly features. The feature is currently available on the Mac and PC for all Netflix members, as well as those that have compatible devices such as the Xbox 360 or Joey's favorite, Roku Digital Video Player. Uh, This particular rumor, and I'm going to continue to call it a rumor, seems very unlikely. And as we talk about what Apple has done with applications up until this point, I can't imagine a service that allows for viewing of free services, basically, to the user without having to pay Apple any money, I don't think is going to fly. You look at the services that they continuously you know, shoot down, like uh, you know, the Google Voice application, uh, the ability to stream uh, net, uh, excuse me, Slingbox over Wi-Fi. It seems very unlikely that you'd be able to watch and queue movies and then be able to you know, do that over even a Wi-Fi connection seems unlikely when all of those movies that you could be watching would be streamed via uh, a free service from Netflix, or at least a service that you're paying Netflix for. I just don't see it happening. No, I don't either, Mickey. Unfortunately, it just competes uh, too much with, with Apple's iTunes and, and the video service you know, that the iPhone is kind of built around uh, in that case. And yeah, it's... Uh, it's very much competitive, you know, uh, competing with them even more so than uh, Slingbox, in my opinion, because Slingbox is, you know, it's a little different because you're getting your own video source at your, you know, at your house, you know, it usually is where that comes from. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I'm not uh, sure if we'll ever see this one. Uh, even AT&T doesn't have to worry about uh, having to uh, <laughs> not approve this one. They can, uh, Apple will do the job for them on this one. The only thing AT&T would have to say is it can't use our 3G network. And the only thing Apple would have to say is, don't worry, it's not approved because that's, I think, how this one's going to go. And furthermore, I, I, I'm, I'm finding more and more, as much as I like the ability to use the Slingbox and be able to use it over Wi-Fi, the fact that I can't use it for uh, where, wherever I go, I have to have a Wi-Fi connection, it makes it even less useful than I thought it would be. I thought I'd be using, you know, using it on Wi-Fi more, but it, it, just, it, it always seems that when I want to watch something, I'm not even close to Wi-Fi. Like I'm in a car, like, you know, my wife wants to watch something. I'm somewhere that I don't have access to Wi-Fi. And granted, it's becoming more widespread than it ever was. 
but it still doesn't make up for the fact that you have to be stationary to be able to take advantage of this. You can't be traveling. You can't really be, you know, walking around, you know, other than in a, a central one location, you know, based around a central hotspot. It just doesn't seem like something like I, I can't imagine doing this, to be honest with you. So um, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Tell me what you think. We'd love to hear your feedback. Of course, the cell phone junkie, uh, you know, is uh, obviously up for anything that comes out there, but something like this just seems a little out there. So, well, visual voicemail headed to Android via T-Mobile. T-Mobile released a new set of software for Android's platform via the Android market. The app pack recommends a number of applications to help users customize their MyTouch 3G device. T-Mobile pushing its own applications, including My Account, Visual Voicemail, and Mobile Backup. The Visual Voicemail delivers voicemail messages to Android handsets as an audio file. Users will be able to see a list of messages, listen to them in any order, and reply via a phone call, text, or email. The T-Mobile applications are free to download and free to use. Microsoft posts a guide to porting iPhone apps to Windows Mobile 6.5. Ahead of the launch of the Windows Mobile Marketplace, Microsoft published a guide that shows how developers can port their applications over to the 6.5 platform. Microsoft is accepting applications for the launch of the Marketplace, which will be this fall sometime, and it should make developers have an easier way to get their applications over to Windows Mobile. Well, Handmark launching its own Windows Mobile App Store. Handmark is just is the latest in the number of uh, companies that are out there launching application stores for the Windows Mobile and other device platforms. Uh, there are five, or excuse me, fifty thousand pieces of content already available to Windows Mobile phones in the Hand Hand Market App Store, running on Windows Mobile 6.0 and up devices. Content including applications, wallpapers, ringtones, and more. The app's uh, storefront supports user reviews, categories, and offers free, paid, and subscription content. Consumers can purchase items with their credit cards. And Hand Market Apps also supports carrier billing from Altel, AT&T, and Sprint. Microsoft's Windows Marketplace, like we said, will launch later this year with approximately 600 applications supporting Windows Mobile 6.5 and above. Nokia made an announcement that there is a software update available allowing users of Avi files to retrieve and edit documents stored on their Apple computer from their Nokia cell phone. The software can remotely access files stored on OS X 10.5 Leopard-based Macs directly from the Nokia phone or web browser. It allows users to send files to others and to create online backups for of files using Avi's Anytime Files feature. This is a free update to the software. Well, TomTom for iPhone's pricing has been leaked. TomTom's co-founder and CTO Peter Franz first demonstrated his company's turn-by-turn solutions at WWDC back in June. And uh, you can now uh, take advantage of uh, this product, or at least take a look at how this product can be taken advantage of, and the TomTom for iPhone, including Mount Page, showing that the the service will be available for 113 pounds. It's approximately 200 US dollars. Keep in mind that comes with the Mount It's a little bit more than uh, we were hoping to see, uh, but the unit can uh, be purchased separately, or the service looks like it can be purchased separately for $119. Uh, Don't know when it's going to be out yet, but it uh, looks to be very soon. Well, a program for the Palm Pre will allow you to tether your Pre to your computer and use the 3G connection of it to surf the web. It's called My Tether. And it's a self-installing version that's uh, available for $10, although there's a free one available 
as well. It's a fully automatic install and allows you to create uh, a, a basically an ad hoc network, including a DHCP server and uh, the ability to turn on and off the screen on the pre. So a very uh, interesting use of uh, the pre uh, if you're looking to tether it, you can get this application, like I said, for $10. Symbian's version 4 representing a new reality for Symbian breaking all of S60's past. The Symbian Foundation's Dave Wood recently has announced that there will be some changes planned for the future versions of the Symbian platform. Currently, S60 uses Avcon APIs to derive a lot of the user interface elements, but starting with the version 4, it will begin using the QT user interface tools instead, meaning that devices based on versions of Symbian 4 will not be compatible with current S60 apps. Developers will have to redesign and port their applications to a newer user Symbian code in order to work on S or excuse me, Symbian handsets. Symbian version 4 is not expected to be hardened until the second half of the year and will most likely appear on devices uh, in 2011. S60 itself will be phased out over time. And last but not least in the software, Motorola bringing WebOS to Android with a product they're calling Blur. Uh, We don't have any confirmation on this other than a rumor coming from the boy genius that states that the skin will be named Blur, uh, leaked out by Motorola, will be a heavily web-connected operating system that will uh, be able to upgrade different sections of the OS and interface all over the air. Uh, This could be very nice for those picking up one of the latest versions of the Android phones. Some questions and comments here. Uh, First one is a comment from Unknown. I apologize. I couldn't find where I got this one from, but basically said regarding your discussion from the last show, uh, the case that let people connect other devices to the public network was the Carter phone decision. I think, Joey, you had mentioned this one and uh, I think said you couldn't remember the name of what it was, but yes, that was the Carter phone decision that allowed people to bring in any phone over to the public telecom networks. Yeah, exactly. And uh, of course, now that you say that, of course it was Carter. We had talked about the Carter, uh, the Carter phone uh, thing uh, a number of times. I think we had a whole unlock show, I think, about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't remember exactly when that was, but uh, we, we did talk about it quite a bit. And it was a very important decision, I think, in, in the grand scheme of things. Absolutely. It takes really the, you know, the, the, the one uh, you know, monopolistic you know, thing out of the carrier. And that's, you know, that you can, you have to buy the, the hardware from them to be able to use it. Uh, we are seeing a little bit of a, a, you know, a break from this with some of the GSM devices and you can really bring any phone that you want over to them, but it still doesn't make up for the fact that most people are not doing that. Uh, you know, it, it, if you go and buy home phone service through someone like Quest or Verizon or AT&T or Sprint or whoever your, your local telco is, you're not buying a phone from them typically. Typically, you go out to a Best Buy or whatever and you pick yourself up a phone. Why is it different with cell phones? I guess that's the question. Well, the big difference is they're um, much more expensive and the, the carriers have, uh, you know, they're subsidizing the price on those and, and, and that makes it more attractive to the customer to buy them uh, from them. And then, of course, on the other side of things, we have the CDMA side, which really makes it a lot more difficult. Yep, and there's nothing that you're going to be able to do until we start to see, you know, some more openness with these. And as much as we talk about it, it's just not happening. And I think it's just people just don't really care. It's just, you know, this is how things are at this point, and uh, you know, they're okay with it. So it's going to take some major decision or something that's going to have to happen to get people to break out of that mold because that's just what they're used to at this point. Next one here, a voicemail from Charles. Hey, Mickey and Joey. Uh, Charles from Space Coast, Florida, and uh, enjoying the show today again, as usual. 
And I was listening to the part where you're talking about iPhones getting jailbroken and how eight and how Apple is, you know, griping or trying to make it a complaint that they could uh, screw up cell towers and stuff like that. But, you know, and I was thinking about this in the, what I kind of think of this, take this argument as, and, and the reason I don't think it'll hold much water with anybody is that it's kind of similar to me, like a car, you can, you know, car, it's illegal to drive a hundred miles an hour, but a car has a, I mean, they don't have a limit on the speed limit, you know, and so if I jailbreak an iPhone, the fact that the baseband processor can be corrupted is a possibility. But if I don't do it, then there's there's no issue. You know, I maybe, you know, this is this is kind of a sideline to whether jailbreaking should be allowed or not and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But using that as an argument that I may do something doesn't mean anything. I mean, I got I have a gun. I may rob a store. That doesn't mean I'm... You know, I'm guilty before I've done it. So, you know, just something that kind of ticked me off. Yet another thing about Apple that ticked me off. Even though I'm using the iPhone right now, it's all you guys. Well, thank you, Charles, for the voicemail. First off, I guess I have to say, I, I think you got cut off there. Um, it, it's kind of ironic, isn't it, that you were using the iPhone and you got cut off there talking about the iPhone. Anyway, uh, so looking at what Apple is trying to enforce here with the jailbroken thing versus, like you said, your your, your comparison to vehicles and driving over the speed limit, um, I, I guess I, I kind of get it, uh, but just because that you may do something, I think it's a real good point, doesn't mean that you will, and uh, I I have to agree that I wish this was uh, this was different. It seems like most other handsets are, while they don't really condone this type of thing, other than really Google, uh, you can certainly go and do pretty much anything you want to your Windows device, and no one really says much. You know, Palm as well. You can install anything. You know, so it's it's kind of a shame that Apple kind of gets you in this sandbox type thing. Yeah, it, it kind of is, and, and unfortunately, it's because the iPhone is so popular, and the number of people that have that device. It becomes a lot more. It affects them, you know, the network and Apple a lot more uh, financially. You know, there's a lot more risk involved. If if a huge, you know, application comes out that does, uh, let's say, reprogram the the what was it, the baseband radio that causes some tower issue. Uh, I mean, the damage to their network, I, I suppose, in 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 you know, it could be. I don't know if it would be damage to the actual equipment, uh, but maybe damage to the the throughput of the data, uh, you know, and phone calls. You know, it could be you know in the millions and millions of dollars. Um, so I, I suppose that's probably where they're why they're trying to take the stance. Um, you know, because if if a, if every Windows Mobile user decided to put something like that on there, it would barely make a dent. I, I think in in some of these networks, because you know the number of people that have them just isn't very substantial compared to the number of people that have iPhones. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, there's, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of different phones that are out there that people are hacking and playing with. And this <clears throat> type of thing isn't really happening. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's, you're right though. It's, it's one of those things that is connected to the, to the network and, uh, you know, it's whatever people could do it, but doesn't mean they will. Yeah. And you know, they're covering themselves and they're also trying not to, uh, lose revenue that, you know, you know, jailbroken phones can, uh, you know, you can bypass some of the restrictions, you know, like Sling Player, like the Google mm-hmm. Voice yeah. app, and, you know, all the other apps we've talked about that have been denied from the App Store that you can, can in fact, install and use uh, very nicely with a jailbreak, jailbroken phone. Yep, I, I, that, and that's very true, too. And, um, you know, that's, that's the way it is, and there's not a whole lot that, um, as long as the 
these hackers are able to figure it out, they're just going to keep doing it. And they're going to keep getting around the systems that Apple puts in place. And uh, it's it's a cat and mouse game. So, uh, but going back, just just a couple of minutes here, but Steve, before you send me the email, Joey meant throughput, not throughput. So, oh sure, yep, <laughs> yep, because yep. I, I can see Steve listening to this show, going, "I've got multiple emails from Steve saying it's throughput, not throughput." <laughs> anyway. Yep, yep. I always uh, miss miss misspeak on that one, right? That, yeah, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> Let's move on here. Comment from Thomas. He says, hey guys, well, my question today has been bothering me for a while. I use my calendar and appointments all the time. Anyway, the majority of my appointments are with people and organizations already in my contact lists. So why can't I make a calendar appointment directly from my address book that would autofill the name and location instead of starting over every time? I can't believe Windows Mobile and Blackberries are supposed to be the business devices and they make it so difficult to do such little things. Am I missing something? Is there some sort of bolt-on software? As always, I really appreciate the work you guys are doing. Thomas. Thomas, you know, I, I was uh, I never really thought about this until you brought it up, and it, it's really interesting to, to think about that. Whenever I go to make an appointment, I always go to my calendar. I never go to my address book first, and maybe it's just the way that I think about how I'm doing it, because number one, I'm always looking for the time versus the person. And I never thought about doing that. I, I looked into it on the BlackBerry, trying to figure out a way that you could tie in going into some person's name in the address book and then setting an appointment directly from there. It would make a lot of sense. I don't know of anything for the BlackBerry. That at least I couldn't find anything for it. And as far as Windows Mobile, I, you know, basically the same thing. I, I, I couldn't find anything, but I don't know. It is a good question, Joey. I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, it, it's a great question. And, um, I uh, have that ability on my Palm Central because I, I purchased um, a, a separate dialing app that also uh, acts as a uh, contact manager, and it's called a Take Phone. And easily from there, you can find any contact in your address book uh, with just uh, typing any part of their first and last name or their company name, and their uh, their name or the list of you know contacts that match that uh, pops right up, and you can. Uh, you just hit the button and then there's a, a schedule button right on the bottom and then it uh, comes up with a box that asks you what day and time and it dumps it right into your calendar. And also in the uh, the calendar program that I purchased for the Centro, and actually I purchased before the Centro, it has um, the ability to uh, schedule an appointment and to attach a link to a contact. And uh, this program actually integrates the contact list and the to-do list and the memo list in just the calendar program itself. So it creates uh, links between, uh, you know, the contacts and these other databases within the calendar. So it's a very, very powerful application where you can do operations just like this. Okay, so the the ability to do it does exist on some of these platforms. If you've got something that Thomas should know about for either Windows or BlackBerry, please let us know. We'll pass it on to him. But otherwise, Thomas, I say you go get a Centro because Joey's able to do this no problem. It's, <laughs> well, it, I did have to pay extra for these applications. Well, I, I, I did have to. But sounds like it sounds is. like he's willing to do that. He's looking for a bolt-on piece of software. So, yeah, there, there's got to be something for Windows Mobile. Like uh, what was it, Agendas or Agendas Pro? I'm sure that has that, that capability because that integrated uh, yeah. the databases into that one calendar app. Yeah, or maybe sure SPB. Yeah. Yeah, they could have something too. Okay, uh, yeah, there there could be some out there. Like I said, I, I haven't tried any that uh, I know of that could get this um, get this working for you. But anyway, let us know if you've got something for Thomas that does this. 
question from Ken. He says, I, I know you recently talked about using an iPhone in Europe. Any advice for an iPhone in Japan? I have original and 3GS versions of the phone, uh, and I would like your recommendation just either getting an international plan or unlock it and get a Japanese SIM card. Maybe a topic for the next episode. My main usage is expected to be using maps to find my way, um, light, the uh, oh, light phone email and web use, and hopefully finding free Wi-Fi. I'm staying for approximately 5 to 10 days. Okay, so there's uh, there's a couple of things here that I would recommend. First off, if you haven't yet, go and read the the international or the cell phone junkies guide to international travel or whatever I called it. I don't remember. If you search for the word international on the cellphonejunkie.com, you'll be able to pull this up and uh, see what I'm talking about. And I went through all the different things that I I, I used to try and figure out uh, basically when I was in Europe and what was best and you know what worked best and what worked not as good and stuff like that. So uh, make sure you go and read that one because it's it's a, a relatively in-depth way of, of how you can travel and uh, use your phone. But uh, to go back to your um, to the original question, you're going to find that you're going to be using essentially two, uh, one of two networks. It's either going to be Docomo or SoftBank are the two networks that take advantage of 3G services on that particular range of frequencies. I think it's 2100 megahertz is what you're going to find in Japan. So you're going to be on Docomo or SoftBank, depending on where you are. And I would say that if you're, uh, if you are, if you can plan on doing uh, only a certain amount of data, then I would say keep your AT and T plan. Get yourself the international bolt-on plan that they offer. It starts at twenty five dollars, gives you twenty megs of data. That if, if you can keep yourself to strictly, you know, like you said, for maps, some brief email and stuff like that, and keep your heavier web use to when you're on Wi Fi, you should be just fine with that. I know there have been other people traveling this summer that have sent me information that have said, hey, you know, I got that 100 megabyte plan and that was perfect for me for two weeks or whatever it was. So, uh, you know, keep that in mind. But as far as calls, I would almost say you probably want to get a Japanese SIM card to make your calls because the cost is very expensive to use AT&T. But if you're concerned about people getting in touch with you, it's easy to do so by getting that, uh, that SIM card and sending that number back to them or you know, I guess keeping your original SIM and, and just going that way. But, uh, it, it, you know, for me, it was, you know, testing out a number of different services and I never actually even turned on my AT&T phone while I was there. And I was able to, you know, do some other things with services, uh, that were out there such as max Rome and uh, a local SIM card as well. Uh, so there, there's some good and bad to what you're looking at with both of those options. I'm not going to say one is better for you than the other. I would just say, like I said, take a look at uh, what how I wrote up everything, and if that makes sense to you, hopefully you can make a decision on what you think is going to work. If you can keep it to data, though, uh, I would say just keep that AT&T SIM and uh, add that data plan, and, and you should be good. So, Next one here, a comment from Brian, and he says, You've mentioned Slacker Radio in the past few shows, but failed to mention one of the best features of the program, at least for the BlackBerry user. There's an ability to cache radio stations to the memory card. It uses less battery power to play in the cache stations uh, than to stream on the station itself. It's also great if you're in an area with low signal or on an airplane. I started listening to both shows, and I'm working my way backwards until I've listened to them all. Great shows. Keep up the good work. Brian. Brian, thank you very much. I cannot believe I forgot about that. I guess it's because I I am using it right now on the iPhone, but I did try it out on uh, the BlackBerry as well. Yeah, caching is, is really neat. Uh, you know, you, if you've got the room on your card, it can, you know, grab up to a certain amount that it will cash for you and you can go and listen to it. And, uh, 
it's kind of like your own personal, uh, you know, XM or Sirius radio when you think about it that you, you can record your music onto. Yeah, that is sweet. I, I, I love the ability to cache. I use that feature constantly in my portable uh, Sirius stiletto music uh, player. Uh, I, I use the cached, the, uh, the cached music more than I listen to the, the live satellite almost. <laughs> I, I, I'm almost positive I, I do because there, there's areas where I'm just not in Wi-Fi and I'm not uh, in satellite coverage. And then also the battery life, uh, like you mentioned, it's, uh, it's, I can play the thing for 15 hours on the battery with the cached music, whereas uh, if I was playing live satellite, I'd get about an hour and a half or two hours out of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a great feature, and, and thanks thanks to uh, Brian for bringing that up because I, I can't believe I forgot it. I guess it's just not something that I was thinking about. I, I was using Slacker all afternoon this afternoon too. I just, it's a, it's a, it's a really fun, good service. If you're into, uh, you know, specific genres of music and you want to hear, you know, some of your favorites mixed in with some new stuff, they do a great job with it. So next one, question from Michael. It says, guys, great podcast. I'm looking at the, my touch three G from T-Mobile is the Android operating system secure. I've heard that this system is open in the sense that applications have access to all parts of the phone, like to the contacts, calendar, etc. Could a malicious application read, access, and retrieve data from the phone and send it back to their own servers? Is the Android operating system more vulnerable to this type of security breach versus a system like Windows Mobile? I'm also looking at the Touch Pro 2. Thanks for your help. Joey, I'll let you uh, take a stab at this one first. And, you know, in that uh, situation, those questions there, no, it's really not... Uh, secure because I, I believe all you know any application can access any database it wants on the phone and send it back to its uh, server. Uh, however, you know there's a there's this the crowd approach. Uh, a lot of people like to really see what's going on with applications, and and there's a number of people out there that kind of scrutinize what data is being transmitted off. You know that 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 certain applications look at, um, and I think some of the development tools allow this to happen, but. Um, usually applications that do that kind of thing, uh, you know, like spying, for example, usually get uh, uh, detected and called out upon. Um, and that's kind of what you have to rely on. And uh, no, Windows Mobile is not more secure in this, in this uh, arena. That, that exact same thing can happen on uh, that palm. Uh, it's, it's possible. So um, I'm not really sure how to, to, what to say because you can't really trust that. I, I would imagine something like BlackBerry would probably be a, a more secure platform. Uh, maybe, but I mean, do, do you think you should be concerned about this? I mean, that, I guess that's really the question. He brings it up is, you know, is one more secure than the other? But is there, is there you know, reason for concern on this? Not that I know of because, I, yeah. I, like I said, I think any application that would really do something like this, uh, not with your uh, permission, uh, would probably be exposed, mm-hmm. you know, to the online community, and would probably be uh, kind of obvious um, out there. Well, and and Michael, you're obviously a, a very um, you know particular person to ask this type of question. And, and what I would say is, do your research, like I know you will, before downloading applications. Even quick Google searches will bring up something like this. It it doesn't take a lot uh, to 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 uncover stuff like this about applications. I do a lot of this before I download applications myself, trying to figure out you know what people have thought about it. Not just the reviews on the app, you know, the app stores or you know whatever, but actually digging in to see what other people's experiences have been on it and whether or not it has the features that I think it does that I want to bring to the phone. Because if it doesn't, what what am I even bothering to do with it? Because that's a lot. Sometimes what I find is that I'll download something and it's like what did I even get this for? Cause it didn't not doing exactly what I think it's going to do. Yeah. And I suppose the, you know, the, the, the cop out answer is, uh, well, don't keep anything secure on your phone, <laughs> you know, anything you wouldn't want out in the wild on your phone, which obviously that's a, uh, that 
is useless advice <laughs> or even better go and get yourself a server that can remotely wipe your device so if you've got let's say a um, you know windows mobile device you can get yourself an enterprise server uh, or exchange server account and then get the ability to remotely wipe it or some have some sort of administrative rights or have someone that has administrative rights to it that they can get in and wipe it if something were to ever happen but that doesn't really solve the issue that you have here in you know applications sending back data so anyway, uh, hopefully that answers the question. Though I, I wouldn't be too worried about it. Just be smart about what you're doing, and I think you'll be just fine. And finally, a comment from Joel. He says, in last week's show, the listener Dave made some comments about Google Voice and SMS. He said that he had a hard time believing that most AT&T customers would not manage the use of their SMS enough to stay within their plan. He also, uh, he also said he couldn't see people dropping SMS services in favor of Google Voice. I only have an SMS plan because I can't get my associates to stop sending SMSs to me. While I am able to manage on my own use of SMS, I can't manage others. I started to find myself with $20 plus bills in SMS charges from overages that I had, uh, and I had to get a plan to minimize this expense after repeated requests to my friends to not send them were ignored. I'm not willing to purchase an unlimited SMS plan, but I didn't want to completely disable it either. Uh, now that I have a Google Voice account, SMS using an application on my phone and soon expect to have Google Voice integrated with the built-in SMS app on it, uh, once that happens, I'm canceling my SMS plan altogether. I've got a few other friends that only had long-distance plans on their home lines to speak to friend, to family, and now they have Google Voice accounts with their numbers in their family's area code, and they're canceling their long-distance plans. It's too soon to call this a trend, but I'm confident that Google Voice and other similar services will have a long-term impact on the carrier's revenue. Very interesting uh, perspective there from Joel on what potentially may be happening with Google Voice, because I honestly, I'm in a very similar position. I, I've never had more than the the bare bones SMS plan. And I don't send a lot, but what I do send, I send via Google Voice and I receive them on the phone. So that's fine. But the, the ability to send essentially doubles the number of messages because usually you've got, uh, you know, a at least a two message, uh, you know, uh, conversation with someone over SMS. And so someone sends me something, I reply, but I reply from Google Voice. Or if I send something and then someone sends something back to me, it's still only one message. So I find that is, you know, not completely getting away from it, but I see your point. You just have to make sure that you're able to view and manage the messages that are incoming in a way that makes sense for you. Because other, other than having them come directly to my phone, I'm not on the Google Voice website all the time. Yeah. And, and you know, that it, it's completely right. It's, uh, it's a definitely an impact on the, the carrier's revenue stream. And, uh, you know, obviously that's why the, the Google app uh, was denied for the Google Voice there. And, um, you know, I, I, it's, it brings us back to a, another point. It's why are we charged for incoming text messages when we have no control over it? I mean, we've got spammers. We've got all this, uh, you know, all these you know, things that come to us unsolicited and, we, and we're stuck paying for it. And, you know, 25 cents a piece. Mm -hmm. um, and in most carriers, you can disable the incoming text messages where you are not charged for it. They do not get to you. They do not come to you. Um, and that's about the only thing you, you can do to keep this from happening and, and not to actually, you know, have quite a few, uh, dollars in charges, uh, in, in a lot of cases, you just can't escape it because like you said, you try to request the friends and they don't seem to remember or listen. And, you know, I've had that happen and, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's a catch 22, but you know, it's the same thing though. We're charged for incoming minutes and we're charged for outgoing minutes at the same time. So it's, you know, it's standard operating practices, but again, it's, 
it, it is slightly frustrating because the uh, the text message you know it's extremely expensive i mean for what you're getting it really is yeah it's it's almost not worth it and i have i have two lines i have obviously an at&t line i have a verizon line the verizon is a blackberry it's a blackberry that's on a bez and it's a company owned blackberry and this one actually has sms disabled i cannot send or receive sms messages and it's not like you know, you send a message to me and you get a, oh, this was not delivered. It just goes into nowhere. It's, it's very interesting how that works. But uh, honestly, on a, you know, on a BlackBerry situation like that I have, it's, uh, you know, there's BlackBerry Messenger, which allows for communication handset to handset outside of the SMS realm. But not everyone has Blackberries. So it's not like it's the perfect solution. But uh, there are certainly ways to get around it. And, uh, you know, bottom line, you can restrict it, like Joey said, in, in, so you are disabling the ability to receive messages altogether, which is a little bit extreme, but could be an answer if you're in a situation where uh, you're just getting those charges racked up and you don't want to have a plan. Well, that's it for today. If you want to get in touch with us, send us an email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com or a voicemail to 206-203-3734. We love to have your questions and comments. It's one of the favorite parts, our favorite parts of the show. So give us a call, send us an email, we'll get you on. And thanks to Joey very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.